Ciao. Ciao. Jalo Chow Chow Podcast has returned. What have I done to you? What do you want from me? We want you to listen. We want you to subscribe. And we want you to join our Facebook group. Do you know how to do those things? I don't know. I don't know anything. Well then, it seems we have no choice. <laughs> to be irresponsible because there's so many things to blame it on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ciao, ciao, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of the Jalo Chow Chow podcast. I'm your host, Chris, and I run a little website called thejalloscore.com. And with me today is my good friend, Al, all the way from Italy. Ciao. Al, how are you, sir? Ciao, ciao. I'm doing pretty good. How are you, Chris? Doing great. And um, I did say that it is a very special episode because today we are not going to do a scene by scene. We are going to talk about Dario Argento's latest film, Dark Glasses, um, which is actually the English title. And Al, off the top of your head, do you remember (laughs) the Italian title? Uh, I know it's like something... I think it's Occhiali Neri, which is black glasses. The reason why we're not going to do a scene by scene for this is because it's a brand new film and many people are interested in seeing it. Uh, We'll give you our opinions on it, but we will not spoil anything and give everybody a chance to catch it in whatever format you can find it in and be surprised with, you know, whatever the surprises are in the film. Um, And if there's enough of a demand from our listening audience, we will return to it and do a deep, deeper dive. Um, but until then, we will just uh, talk about the film for a bit, give you our opinion on it. Also, just wanted to mention that uh, Matt is not with us today. Um, as per usual, he is knee-deep in all of the other amazing things that he's doing out there on the left coast of the United States. Um, he's teaching, he's uh, writing, he is recording. And um, he's just really not available to talk uh, during the time that Al and I are available to talk. So it's just a, a matter of us trying to sync up our schedules. So we hope to have Matt back soon. In the meantime, please go to IHateMattWall.com and uh, check out all the stuff that he's up to because uh, he is living the dream out there. Um, anything else you want to add, Al, before we get into it? I am not living the dream. I am living the the half asleep while you're trying to drive down a busy street life. So.
okay, I wanted to try a new feature called what we're watching and, you know, like what kind of media we've been consuming lately, movies and TV and podcasts and YouTube videos and whatnot. Um, now, I haven't told Al about this ahead of time, so I'm putting him on the spot, but who cares? So, okay. uh, Al, uh, I'll throw it to you. What have you been watching lately? Anything good? Uh, well, besides Dark Glasses, I've been, uh, just as a regular ongoing thing, I've been going through Breaking Bad with my son. Cool. Uh, we just finished the first season, and... Uh, he seems into it, so I guess we'll continue and watch the rest of that. In the film world, uh, I watched a film from, I think, 72 called, um, what's it called? Pretty Maids All in a Row. Okay. I've seen that pretty recently. Uh, it stars Rock Hudson and Angie Dickinson, and it's kind of sort of a Jollo uh, American style. It's set in California at a high school, and there are killings and weird, sexy stuff going on. And who's the killer? Even though you find out maybe halfway through who it is. Cool. Uh, that was pretty interesting. Um, what else have I watched? Uh, I think that's about it. Now, um, is this yeah. your first time through Breaking Bad, or your second time, or third time, or? Uh, this will be my second time, but the first time through was as it was still airing. Okay. So it's been a long time right. since I watched it. And I knew it was a great show, and I've always heard it's in, like in the top three list of best TV shows of all time, but somehow I just never uh, felt the desire to go back and check it out again like I have with other shows like The Wire and Sopranos. I've yeah. seen all of those multiple times. And uh, somehow I think because there are a lot of Breaking Bad memes bouncing around, <laughs> like Walter White jokes and yeah. things like that. Right. Um, I knew that my son was aware of it, and we had it. So because I knew that he was aware of it, we decided to uh, try watching it together. Cool. So for the first couple episodes, I was a little tentative because I was being reminded how good the show was, even though I'd kind of ignored it for a long time. Yeah. And I was hoping that he would get into it so I wouldn't have to finish it by myself. <laughs> now, and, is, uh, uh, how old is he? He's 18. Oh, okay. So you don't really have any reservations about him watching it because he's old enough. Um, my son will be 14, and I told him that when he turns 14, we might I might decide that we he's old enough for us to watch it together. So, mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's, you know, look, well, it's a, it's a I, I little different that, than like the HBO shows. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it doesn't have nudity and too much cussing. And I mean, there's a lot of drug use. In there's it, a lot so. of drug use and there's a lot of violence. And what's interesting about TV these days anyway, is that it seemed like when you had the MPAA ratings, that it was a clear cut, delineation between you know what younger kids could watch and what older kids or, or what older people you know needed to watch like the r versus the pg-13 but now it's right. like you know walking dead is on <laughs> amc and that gets a that's exactly what i was thinking about. yeah i mean walking dead is really violent and really mm -hmm. and, and and even like, you know, for me, it's like the, it's not necessarily the gore, but it's also like the themes, like a show like Criminal Minds, um, where they, you know, they profile these whacked out psycho serial killers. Um, mm -hmm. It's just a regular TV show and younger kids watch it. And it's just, just weird. I mean, I think the problem is that it used to be that, you know, you weren't up late enough to see the bad stuff when you were 13 or 12. Right. Um, and now it really mm -hmm. doesn't matter what time because shows, you just watch shows whenever you want to watch them. So, um, right. But anyway, that's interesting. I, it's interest. It's uh, it's funny that you bring up the, those, those uh, series shows because um, I have a list of series that I rewatch. Um, and there's usually always one that I've got going on. Like when, I'm in my default mode and I don't know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to expose myself to anything new. And I throw on something that's familiar. 
I have a, a list of shows and Breaking Bad is in there. Sopranos is in there. Um, mm -hmm. Twin Peaks is in there. And uh, Fargo. I don't know if you ever saw Fargo, the TV show. Um, I've seen the first three seasons, but I don't think I've seen the last one. Yeah, the last one was, was hard to, uh, you know, get into. It was all mm -hmm. about... Um, I think it was all about like organized crime in the maybe the twenties or thirties, maybe. And Chris Rock huh. is in it. Um, okay. But it was good. You just had to really stick with it until you got to the end. But I did like it. Um, the Wire. I just finished my second time through The Wire, and I think it's one of the best shows ever made. It's just, it's, 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 it, it astounds me how well they're able to create characters in that show mm -hmm. and just make them realistic and, and multi-dimensional and, and, you know, um, right. multifaceted. And then, um, euphoria is my new favorite one that's on HBO, which is, uh, this crazy, uh, kind of teen, um, drug, drug related kind of teen sex and violence and drugs, you know, coming mm -hmm. of age kind of, TV show, which is, um, it's a guilty pleasure. I would never want my kids to ever watch Euphoria, <laughs> ever, ever, ever. Um, I think I watched one episode of that because I was interested in seeing uh, the actress Sydney Sweeney. Oh yeah, she's gorgeous. Yeah. Oof. Well, I had watched uh, season one of The White Lotus, and she is in that. Oh, she is. Okay. And. Uh, after that was over, and apparently they're doing a season two of that uh, coming out soon-ish, if it's not out already. Okay. But when that was over, I was like, wow, who is she? I totally appreciate her acting skills and would like to see more of them. <laughs> so <laughs> I kind of fumbled around and saw that she's on this show called Euphoria, and it promises to show quite a bit of Sydney Sweeney's acting talents. Yes. But I watched this one episode, and this, I'm not the audience for this. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, very difficult to watch that show as a parent because you look back and you see yourself doing stupid stuff from when you were a kid, and you relate to them. Uh -huh. But now you you don't relate to it as these are contemporaries of mine. You relate to them as these are the mistakes of my youth, and you you feel a certain way about it so you kind of have to you kind of have to approach the show that way if you're older but um Sydney right. Sweeney is very naked in that series um almost every episode and huh. and I think that she's like a genuinely good actress as well so um yeah I would give it another try but well in the white lotus I don't think she gets naked at all oh okay yeah, so I mean it kind of was her acting I thought you know wow she's she's playing a rich little snobby bitch okay. very well and she's not hard to look at and uh she was in I think she was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood she was one of the girls at the oh at, at the, the ranch? ranch huh yeah I have to go back and watch that now I don't I don't know yeah, but she had like a very small part. I think she's the one that goes to the screen door and looks out and sees that uh, oh. Brad Pitt is walking up. Okay. And then she turns around and tells uh, Layla Durham or Lena Durham, whatever her name is. Anyway, so. Well, she plays in Euphoria, I... she plays um, a damaged, um, you know, you know, basically damaged father, fatherless kind of searching for father figure kind of mm -hmm. teenage girl. Um, yeah. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting study. Um, yeah. So, but that was interesting that you brought up um, uh, the American, the American Jalo-ish film, because I did, mm -hmm. Start listening to that podcast that Tarantino did. Um, right. The one with, I guess it's the guy that, uh, I don't know how they're connected. I don't know if it's because they used to work together at the video store. Uh, but this other guy is some 
some sort of established person in film. And then they had Roger uh, Avery. Is that, is, is that who it is? He was the co-writer for Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Mm. And I didn't I recognize think something happened when Pulp Fiction came out that uh, if you, you look at the credits of Pulp Fiction, it says story by Quentin and Roger Avery uh, written by Quentin Tarantino. I think he wanted to have sole credit for the screenplay okay. in case there's any kind of award coming. And I think they had a bit of a split after that. And Roger Avery went off and directed, wrote and directed Killing Zoe. Have you seen that? No, I never saw that. Okay. It's about a bank heist in France. And it stars Eric Stoltz as uh, an American guy who goes over there to hook up with some French dude that he met when he was in the States as a student exchange program thing and they decide to rob a bank on bastille day in france okay and it goes wrong huh and it's it's kind of like when keith richards did a solo album and you realized how much he brought to the rolling stones <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> so you watch killing zoe and you think okay this is pure roger avery but it's so much like what we thought was a tarantino film huh you know interesting uh so it's a cool movie if you got get a chance. Oh, that's to see cool. It. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely watch that. Um, yeah. And then they, I think they had Eli Roth on the podcast as well, and it was really cool to listen to those guys try to explain to their audience what a giallo is. Um, and yeah, they obviously know um, because they've been in the business for a while. And um, I think Eli Roth got you know is the most into it compared to the other two guys. Uh -huh. Um. But it was it was fun to listen to those guys talk about that. And then the podcast goes on to talk about um, Dress to Kill, Brian De Palma's film, which embarrassingly I had never seen before. So mm -hmm. I stopped the podcast before I listened to any of it and I watched the film and I really liked it. I was blown away um, by how good it was because I had already I had seen clips of it and mm -hmm. You know, I knew that it was probably, you know, the title implies that you've got a cross-dressing killer. Um, but there was so much in there that just reminded me of um, Bird and some of the stuff that uh, the Italian guys were doing, you know, in the 70s. Um, mm -hmm. But it has this very dreamlike kind of thing, which is why I guess the last scene... Uh, you know, I, I guess I'm assuming now that if you watch it with a modern audience, they're going to understand right away that the last scene isn't real. But I think back in the 80s, it may have been a surprise to some people to realize that that whole sequence of, you know, the guy escaping from the mental asylum and then showing up and she gets out of the shower and that whole thing was just a dream mm -hmm. and that's how the film ends which is really kind of cool so um yeah that's great i want to go and i want to go back and listen to that podcast and see what those guys have to say about it but that was a really that was a really cool film i'm glad i finally sat down to watch it and the other night i re-watched because for some reason i was in the mood for it uh full cheese lizard in a woman's skin and huh. have you seen that i have it's been a while and few years. I was really, I mean, it may have just been the mood that I was in, but I was blown away by how well it was framed and structured. And um, the woman who plays the main character, Florinda Balkan, mm -hmm. she's very convincing in her acting about, you know, this whole idea that is she going crazy? And like the extra twist in the film, and I, I probably shouldn't spoil it because this is not the film we're covering today, but <laughs> you know, it, it, it starts out as a film that is, I can't believe what's happening is someone trying to drive me crazy or am I going crazy? Which is a theme that we see in a lot of these giallos, especially in the proto period, but Fulci gave it a little bit of a twist at the end which I won't reveal, but um, 
I, I, and I've seen Lizard in a Woman's Skin so many times and not all the way through. It was one of those films where um, I would put it on. I had it on VHS and like I had a letterbox copy on VHS that I got from a bootleg service and I would put it on. And when I went to bed and I would watch maybe the first 30 minutes of it and I eventually fall asleep. So I was very familiar with how it started. Um, and then the several times I watched it all the way through in preparation for either the Jalo score or for the podcast, um, it didn't really strike me as that, as something that I was, that, that I really enjoyed. But this time I was just like, wow, I'm, I don't know why, but I was just absolutely blown away by how good it is. And I always used to think that, um, that Don't Torture a Duckling was Fulci's best Jalo. But I think maybe I'm changing my mind on this, but I don't know. I may have to go back and watch um, Duckling again and see. But um, yeah, yeah, I'll probably have to watch Lizard again because I think I only have seen it once, and that was years ago when Chow Chow was covering it. Mm-hmm. I think I watched it right after I listened to the podcast. And I th- so. and if and I listened to our podcast of it, and I believe that um, Matt seemed to enjoy it and even eric who was kind of like our our you know our realist on the film like on the he he filled the role of um i don't i don't know how to describe it but he basically was hard to impress um right with these films because he was a traditional horror movie fan and Mm -hmm. a lot of the wacky stuff that was going on in giallo films um didn't appeal to him but every once in a while, a film was good enough, uh, or it just you know it passed enough of the of the criteria for him to be happy happy with it. And I think he did like this one. So that's what we're watching, ladies and gentlemen. So, Dark Glasses, everybody. Dario Argento's latest film. It was released this year, I believe, 2022. And I just thought it was was interesting enough for us to talk about it because Dario Argento is well regarded in our circles as, you know, the godfather or the inventor of the, the, the classic giallo that we've all kind of come to understand as the formula um, and Argento for most people. And we've talked about this ad nauseum on the show. Uh, Argento for most people is kind of the gateway drug into the Jalo genre in general, because he kind of was the Italian, you know, they called him the Italian Hitchcock, but I mean, he was more uh, this mysterious Italian horror figure that all of the, you know, American um, horror magazine writers and columnists and film reviewers were regarding as, you know, the maestro and his films were not available in the U.S. And so people were very interested in getting a hold of his movies and seeing them. There was a, there was a sense of mystery about him. And so I think it's important that we talk about what he's up to now because he's in his 80s. And he's still making films. And I don't know how much he's involved in making the films compared to how much he used to be involved. I mean, when you're 80, I don't know how much you kind of job out to your assistant director. But um, it's said in the credits that he um, had something to do with the screenplay of this and obviously directed it. And it's a giallo. um, Basically because it's about murder and there really isn't any supernatural anything going on in the film. So it kind of has to be. And it's mysterious to a certain extent. So we'll call it a giallo. And what can I say about it? Um, I'm really having a difficult time trying to decide whether it's absolutely a worthless piece of shit movie. Or if there's something <laughs> redeeming about it that I can say, well, at least it has this going for it. Because it's not a good movie. 
but there are certain little pieces of it that I found interesting. And I'll just start with the things I liked about it and then we'll stop. And Al, you can let me know what you think of it. Um, I thought the opening was great. I really got like creeped out by the very beginning scene where um, the main character, I forget what her name is. She's driving and she's kind of, there's this point of view shot of her driving on the road and kind of looking up at the sky and seeing the trees. It's like the very first scene you see in the movie. And then there's this eclipse. She gets out of her car and she goes and she stares at the eclipse and she's got her glasses on and it hurts her eyes. And there's a whole bunch of other people that have come out and they've got their polarized lenses and they're looking at the eclipse. And then the first murder of the prostitute that leaves the hotel was really well done too. I enjoyed watching that. It was very gory, um, very wet. It was a very wet murder. Like there's blood everywhere and, and uh, I enjoyed it. Um, and then things get weird. So, but that's all I'm going to say for now. Al, what do you, what, what do you want to say about this movie? Yeah. Um, well, on a positive note, it was better than Dracula 3D. <laughs> I've listened to a few podcasts, uh, in the last couple of weeks about this and, I don't think anybody is willing to uh, admit that it's far from good, <laughs> to put it politely. Yeah. I heard one podcast where they were talking about, oh, the dude's 82 and he's still making movies. That's awesome. Four stars. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, uh, eesh. I, I, I don't know. It. <laughs> It has a lot of the Argento hallmarks that you would expect. Yeah. That you could recognize and say, oh, that reminds me of this other film. But it's, there's just too many, I can't believe how stupid these people are being <laughs> in this movie that I'm watching. Right. Moments. And there's, uh, I don't know. It's. I've, I've heard that it's Tar uh, no Argento's uh, return to form, mm -hmm. okay, whatever that means. And I think when people say that, they're referring to his 70s period. I think this is a return to the 90s period. Right. Where he did stuff like The Card Player and um, even his Phantom of the Opera and, like I mentioned before, Dracula. Right. This is not a great movie. And if it was somebody, if some director that nobody had ever heard of put this out as their first film, I would feel embarrassed for them. <laughs> right. And I'm not going to get on the, the Argento train and kick it up a couple stars just because of who made it. Right. Right. It's... Uh, I, I think, fortunately for him, if this turns out to be his last film, better this than Dracula. Yeah. And that's really the the most positive thing I can say about it. Yeah. But. Uh, I can agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one of the major problems that I have with the film, and maybe it's a minor problem for everybody else, but. I don't understand why they didn't just use the eclipse as the reason why she went blind in the movie. I that's right. that's what I thought they were going for. She gets out of the car. It's the very beginning of the movie. I'm not spoiling anything. She gets out mm -hmm. of the car, she looks at the eclipse, but she doesn't have the special safety glasses on. And right. then and I like I guess I guess the problem is I read a synopsis about what the movie was about and it's about a woman who goes blind um and is you know involved in some sort of murder investigation whether she's the amateur detective or she's really just a victim that's trying to be a little bit more than just a, a screaming 
victim. But mm -hmm. so I knew going in that this character was going to be blind. I mean, it's in the title, dark glasses, the whole thing. So I right. thought that they were going to take this first scene and have it evolve over time where she just starts to lose her sight a little bit more and a little bit more. And she realizes that it's from the eclipse and the fact that she looked at the eclipse because that's what happens. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't happen. And instead she gets in a car accident and that's how she loses her sight. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, wh what does that have to do with anything? Like it, that just didn't seem to make any sense, except for the fact that of course the car accident allows her to be connected to her little buddy whose name is Chin, right. I think the okay, orphan. Yeah. And right. so obviously the first thing that sticks out in my mind is cat of nine tails. Uh, mm -hmm. um, the, the, uh, the, what the hell's the guy's name? Franco Arnaud character played by um, Carl Malden. Right. Yeah. He's blind and, uh, cook uh, and uh, what's Lori is the, like the little girl and right. They have this relationship. Yeah, that, that's one of the Argento hallmarks that I was referring to earlier. Yes, absolutely. It's like a call back to cat and nine tails. And then with uh, the blind person walking around with the doll, it's like the, uh, with the piano player in Suspiria. Yes. Yep. And, and the German so shepherd there's all these... as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's all these, um, it's like Argento these, calling cards. Yeah, there's like, like these the quotes. Way it's put together, like, yeah. And, uh, but the story, like you said, it makes no sense. We need her to, uh, to meet this little boy and uh, somehow become connected to him. Uh, okay, let's say his, uh, his dad is dead, his mom's in a coma. How does that happen? Oh, a car crash. Oh, shit. Well, we already made her blind. <laughs> Wait, go back. Okay. Uh, she's not blind. She's just wearing dark glasses because her eyes are irritated because she stared at the fucking eclipse like a genius. But she's still turning tricks and driving her car, and then she has a crash, and right. the crash finishes off what the evil sun started. <laughs> sun in the sky, right? And, oh, are you kidding? Right. Exactly. And she's hiding out from this killer guy. So she doesn't want to go. I don't know. I guess she doesn't. Chin's too young to drive or his feet won't reach the puddles right. or something. He needs blocks. So she can't drive around town to turn her tricks. Uh, plus, you know, there's an evil killer looking for her. So she starts taking her tricks at home. Right. I mean, prostitutes who aren't being stalked don't do that for their own well, safety. Well, it seemed interesting to me because I think that some of the escorts, they do see people at their residence instead of going to the person at a hotel or wherever. Mm. Um, and that's obvious because... In the very beginning, someone comes to the house when she still has her sight. And he says, yeah, um, okay. we met in the chat. And so I guess he was there for as a client. And then she kicks him out because he smells bad. Um, and I won't say any more than and, that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, that's a new client, right? Right. Somebody she'd never met before, but I guess she vetted him, quote unquote. You know, through okay, and this is before she goes blind. Yeah, because it was yeah, okay, yeah, because okay. the maid no is giving her the dirty looks and stuff. Yeah, but like the, the you know, maid disapproves. <laughs> the maid disapproves, right? But still, will still work for her. Um, <laughs> and then you know, like the just there, there's just I know that everybody talks about Argento's set pieces, and when I we talked about this before, but when we talk about set pieces, we don't necessarily mean specific tangible items but we mean like scenes or you know um specially uh choreographed or concocted you know vignettes yeah. um like the scene in four flies where the maid goes to the park like that whole thing is a set right. piece i guess so uh -huh. i feel as if there was some of that going on and there's always this discussion about how argento 
makes these films as if they're nightmares and they're not supposed to make sense and they're supposed to be dreamlike. And I can see a little bit of that in this, especially like the snakes. They go into that snake pit. They have that scene that just doesn't make any sense. It's kind of like in Suspiria where the woman falls into the big pit of barbed wire for no reason. <laughs> um, you know. Oh, no. I'm in the barbed wire room. Yeah. Which every house has Everyone one. Everyone has. Every house has one. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I think he was doing some of that shit. And I don't know. I also noticed at the very end after everything is over and, you know, the the two characters are separating, they do Mm -hmm. an almost shot for shot remake of the opening scene in Suspiria where the camera is shooting the arrivals and departures sign at the airport. And then it pans down and it's obviously on some sort of a crane or dolly or something. And then we Mm -hmm. see the people in the airport. But even that last scene, it's like, I don't know if you remember, if you saw opera, but the people who saw opera, nobody liked the ending because, or I don't know if nobody liked the ending, but one of the things that people talked about was the ending where everything's over and the girl who's the main character, she sees this lizard and the lizard was trapped by some sort of twig or branch on a tree and she sets him free and and it was just a weird kind of stupid ending that didn't make any sense. And this one was the same way. <laughs> like she's, she decides that she's going to leave. The cops ask her if she wants a ride. She says, no, leave me the fuck alone. I'll see you later. And she's walking with her seeing eye dog and a cane, which is something I don't think you do. Right. Do you either, it's either one or the other. You don't walk with both. Well, uh, I guess for hurt, extra, guess. <laughs> for extra support. I don't know. And then she's in mm. the middle of this crowded airport and just stops and kneels down and pets the dog and says, you're the only friend I have left in the world. And then the fucking movie ends. It's like, what do you, what do you mean? All right. What's okay, going and, on and here? And to that point, throughout the whole damn movie, did she have any friends? No. We never saw her with friends before. She never did. I guess she's just talking about She Chen. starts with no friends, not even a dog, not even a little Chinese boy. In the middle of the film, she gets both. Right. At the end of the film, she loses one but still has the other. And now she's crying because she doesn't have any friends. <laughs> Give us a scene where she's hanging out at the hooker party or something. Right. And, <laughs> you know, like they have a little uh, escort sewing circle going on. Yes. And they all meet and bring cookies and coffee or something. You know, Play she dark. doesn't have any friends in the whole damn movie. Exactly. Why do I care at the end? <laughs> and, <sighs> and then that whole thing and where the they whole thing shoehorned with... in um, Asia into the into the movie where she's like oh yeah she's like the social worker who comes to kind of uh what assimilate her into leading the life of a blind person and and then you know she then becomes some sort of murder victim but like it it was weird for me good for her i mean she finally made it through one of her dad's movies where she didn't have to show her tits (laughs) but exactly well, and I think the reason is because she's like an executive producer of it. And she probably put her foot down and said, look, everybody else can show their tits. I'm well, I have that. a weird, like I had a weird kind of, I, God, I feel old moment when I was watching this because I've seen Asia in all the other films that she was in, like uh, Trauma and Stendhal mm-hmm. Syndrome. And um, mm-hmm. now she's old. I mean, she's not super old but she's older and i'm like i don't see her the same way i saw her before so so does that make you feel old yeah well of course well you have to ask yourself how much argento baggage are you bringing to it yeah yeah if somebody had just showed it to me and i had no idea who made it i still don't think i would have liked it but i wouldn't have kind of had this undercurrent in the back of my mind about this is the guy that made tenebre and deep red and what the hell happened right there's been talk in the past and even i've kind of taken part in this when you think okay did argento lose it because the people he was working with were kind of propping him up in the earlier days and those people have gone off and now he's hiring uh i don't know maybe a step or two down as far as assistants go or cinematographers or whatever right and the the problems with dark glasses have nothing to do with budget. 
the the cheapest special effect is a typewriter or a word processor. It's all in the script. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yep. It looks great. The the effects, the gore, I mean, when that first girl gets her throat garroted in the bushes, I mean in the you know, that yeah. blood looks super blood. You yeah, know? yeah, right. It's not like uh hammer red paint spilling yeah. all over the sidewalk. And so it it looks great. It's uh it's shot well, it's edited okay. The only problem is the ding dong plot holes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That right. would be the easiest, cheapest thing to fix with just, you know, editing the script. Right. I mean, the, the whole attack with the sea snakes in the swamp. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. The, there's a shot where one of them, okay, they're in the water, like, and it's up to their knees, yeah. it looks like. Okay, so now they're being attacked by these sea snakes, quote unquote. One of them is wrapping itself around her throat. <laughs> right. Yeah, Why? <laughs> I mean, even anacondas and boa constrictors don't only wrap themselves around your throat. I mean, it's just, what the fuck? And they're biting. Oh my God, they're biting. And they're doing, you know, I kept thinking of um, Nicolas Cage in The Wicker Man, <laughs> where he's screaming, My eyes, the bees, they're in my eyes. Okay, this is Argento's version. The sea snakes are biting me in the legs. Oh my god. And like two minutes later they're walking through the field, like, yeah, good thing we got away from those fucking snakes. Yeah, me too. High five. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you get bit? Shouldn't you be Right. Uh, uh... Yeah, no, it's it's okay. um, it's ponderous, but it's again, it's I think it's like, hey, we've got a put something in here i mean i don't know you know we talk about what the directors used to do in the old days for these movies and especially if you think of like bay of blood for example bay of blood has these scenes that you watch because they're shocking and gratuitous and then there's some other stuff where they're talking and you know or they're going here or they're going there or this is this person's chasing that person and you get the sense. And I, you know, I've read some, some studies on, the, uh, you know, some, some critique of the, of the genre about how, if you know, you have to consider the audience who was probably mm. not always paying attention to the screen when these things were on. And it's like, this happened to me the second time I watched dark glasses. So the first time I watched it, I watched it attentively. And it didn't leave an impression on me, which meant, you know, I really need to go back and watch it again if we're going to talk about it today. And when I watched it the second time, I kind of knew, you know, I remembered what the movie was about. And I was kind of half watching it and half not watching it, just like that audience, that, that typical audience of the 1970s. And when, when there was mm -hmm. a scene like the snake attack, I started watching. Yeah. And um, yeah. because it was gratuitous and interesting. Um, even though it was dumb, it was still interesting. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you can make those kinds of comparisons. But again, I think, you know, you have a good point where you say that you watch this um, with the baggage that you bring to it because you've watched other Argento films. And then there's the question of, you know, um, how much help did Argento get in the early days to make his films more interesting and important compared to these. But I also, you know, I would have liked to have seen, and you know, maybe Argento is just like every other artist where it's like, I don't want to go back and redo my old stuff. Like Miles Davis used to say that, like, you know, people are asking right. me to go back and play bebop and I'm done with bebop. I'm doing fusion. And if you don't like it, then fuck off. Um, and Argento, like, yeah, and I, along the way, because of that, he started like four different branches of jazz single-handedly. Sure, exactly. Well, I mean, sometimes and, it's a successful situation, and sometimes you know it doesn't always work out. Like yeah. when Argento decided to do a 3D version of Dracula, or when he decided to, right, to yeah. do a Phantom of the Opera where the Phantom didn't wear a mask ever. 
Um, <laughs> you know that thing about the phantom that's so scary? Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Okay. So, you know, maybe that's what it is, but I would have loved to have seen him follow the rules, the ones that we all kind of agree on that I built a whole website around, which is there's an amateur detective. There's a <laughs> twist at the end. There's this, there's this, there's this. And if he had done that stuff, yeah. I wouldn't have cared that it was a ripoff of his old stuff. I would have been like, yeah, check it out. He's doing an homage to himself. You know, it's like, you know, you go to see these tribute bands or you go to see these latest incarnations of these classic rock bands and you want to hear their old uh-huh. music. You don't want to hear any new stuff. Um, and it's got it's the same for me. It's the same with you know with Argento. I want to see Argento doing the shit that he was doing in the seventies, in you know in in the early to, you know in all of the seventies, basically all the films he put out from Bird all the way up to um, the most recent, the the latest one in the seventies was probably Suspiria because I think Inferno came out in eighty. But anyway, um, we've talked about this enough, I think. So that's Dark Glasses, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you listening, I didn't spoil it. We didn't spoil it. Uh, If you're curious enough to see if what Al and I have to say makes any sense or whether you want to maybe disagree with us, it's worth it to probably give it um, at least one viewing, especially if you are an Argento person and you are interested in Argento and what he's up to. which is weird, right? Neither of us like the movie, but I'm sitting here recommending people watch it because it's 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 kind of required if you are into Argento. And I yeah. can almost guarantee that you will think it's terrible. <laughs> but well, I I would be interested if people do watch it and they like it and they have something better to say in his defense than oh it's argento and he's old and dude argento you know <laughs> if you can give me something more substantial than that <laughs> let me know i'm i would be interested maybe i'm just not looking at it correctly yeah or squinting at it the, the right way right i mean i like to like things you know i'm not yes. one of these guys that goes around looking for things to shit on even yes. though I spend most of these episodes nitpicking to death everything <laughs> we talk about. <laughs> but in the end, I'd like the film, so right. or else I wouldn't waste my time. Exactly. No, so I'm with you. If, if I like to like things too. Yeah. And, and I think so that the I, I think that the biggest um the the biggest argument for for whether this is a worthwhile film or not is all the other things that we just said, like basically the set pieces and the technic the technicality of the film and just it's got a it's got an air of creepiness that kind of you can you can kind of feel um and 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 if you want to argue that argento is doing this thing where he's you know um experimenting with you know with reality and dream states and shit like that if that's the argument then that may be the only thing you really need in order to say that it's worthwhile or that it's a good film if that's you know the premise but i don't know right as far as the giallo score goes dark glasses got a 60 by the way so wow uh i didn't publish that i just kind of did it at the last minute well all right ladies and gentlemen there you have it our hot take as it were on dario argento's dark glasses we hope you enjoyed listening to us um and our opinions of it. And uh, I'd really like to hear what you guys think. So if you have seen it, um, if anything that we've said has influenced you to go see it or has changed your mind about the way you think about it, let us know. Next time we talk about this, we'll do a deep dive and if there's you know, a request for it. Um, but we have so many other Jolly to cover that I, I'm not really that uh, enthused to, to return to it anytime soon. Next time on the Chow Chow podcast, we will finally get to my request, which is the 1969 film directed by Julio B.
Bucks or Bukes, which uh, actually I think is his full credit is Julio Bukes Garcia. Um, his mm-hmm. film called The Trumpets of the Apocalypse, also known as Murder by Music and also known as Perversion Story, which muddies the waters even more. Yes. So next time, Murder by Music. And uh, that will be probably our last show of the 2022 season. So stay tuned for that. Once again, just wanted to thank you guys for your support. And please do us a favor. Head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review and make it honest. If there's something about the show that you don't like and or that you have a criticism about, absolutely, please mention it in the review. And if you need to get in touch with us, of course, of course, of course, of course, go to our Facebook group. It is Jalo Chow Chow Volume 2 on Facebook. Request access. I will give you access to our group as soon as humanly possible once you request it. I can't guarantee that I check it every minute, but I check it constantly. Not constantly. I check it regularly. And if you want to send us a private email, If your thoughts are the kind of thoughts that you really don't want to share with anyone else except for us, the email address to get in contact with us is jalochowchow at gmail.com. So please get in touch with us. So we will see you next time. And until then, ciao, ciao, everybody. Ciao, ciao.